Welcome to another episode featured on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, and other popular podcast channels. And now, your university professor, published author, and U.S. Army Airborne Ranger veteran, Dr. Aaron Bryant. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Dr. Bryant Speaks. Our show, of course, is for all those military veterans and families out there. And my name is Dr. Bryant. I am also a veteran with the U.S. Army Airborne Rangers once upon a time. I am a university professor, entrepreneur, and I am your host. So this show is basically discussing all the topics and issues related to military personnel, families, dependents, programs, organizations, anything that we can do to collaborate and improve the lifelong existence of our military families. Now, if you're new to this show, I want to say thank you for joining in because this topic today is going to be pretty amazing, but yet at the same time, it's going to have a purpose, just like every topic that we actually discuss and talk about and I bring to you. Now, if you're returning, I want to say thank you because of you, we are doing really well and we are constantly rising and improving our dialogue. On YouTube, we are basically at about a thousand subscribers and that's pretty good considering how long we've been doing this, doing this show. Yeah, about a thousand, give or take. Now on Instagram, we're almost crossing 5,000. On podcast downloads, we're definitely on the rise. So I want to say thank you because this is pretty impressive. And again, this is because of you. It's also because of the experts that we bring to this channel because they are providing essential information that gives you the opportunity as a listener to learn about what is out there in the world. Now, I want to, before I get started on this show, I want to make a special announcement. There's a program out there called One Vet, One Voice. And that program is essentially based in the California area. However, they are wide reaching across the world. And one of the special things that they do is they provide a film festival to their veterans. They have collaborated with Hollywood. They have collaborated with the networks and they provide you basically films, movies, documentaries that relate to military occurrences. So right now, this week, they actually have a week-long program of different movies and films and documentaries. So I want to give you that link to get all the virtual showings that they're providing. If you want your tickets, go to SF, that's Sierra Foxtrot, SF or San Francisco, veteransfilmfestival.org or so again that's sf sierra foxtrot veteransfilmfestival.org go there log in or get your free tickets because right now going on for veterans day special they are providing various movies and documentaries i have gone to the website and i could tell you i haven't seen 90 percent of those movies so you're looking forward to seeing something that's pretty interesting so again, I want to say thank you to the One Vet, One Voice for providing this opportunity to our families and veterans. Now, moving on, I want to talk about something that is actually the existence of where I am right now, and that is 
Veterans Day. Now, I have different things I want to provide to you and information I want to share with you. So let's talk about something that's pretty interesting, and that's one of the disconnects about this background of what Veterans Day is all about. So everybody knows it's on November 11th, and we pretty much understand that it is a state and a federal holiday. That we can agree on, correct? What people don't know, and a lot of people are not aware of, is that this day was first called Armistice Day. I hope I pronounced that right. It's A-R-M-I-S-T-I-C-E, Armistice. Now, this day was established on November 11th, but it was back in 1919. Now, it was brought to the world's attention because it was the first anniversary of the ending of World War One. You guys following me here? World War One. That is how we came about having this particular day. Now, thankfully, our veteran service organizations got together and they kind of lobbied and they said, look, you know what? We've already had a World War II. Then and we end up having the Korea conflict. So to recognize just World War I is not quite something that we're feeling. So through President Eisenhower, they signed the legislation and guess what? We're now recognizing and honoring all American veterans and that established in 1954. So I wanna thank those veteran organizations out there who recognize that although there was an extreme sacrifice in World War I, we also have to understand that we are not done fighting, protecting the freedom of this country, and there's going to be veterans in existence all the way through to the present. So that means it's important that we continue to honor. And instead of focusing on just one conflict, let's recognize every conflict since then and any conflict that should occur following. So thank you, President Eisenhower and all the veteran organizations that was involved. Now, I also want to recognize that it's not just a U.S. thing. Now, as you know, if you know your history, you realize that in our particular conflicts over the time and span, we've had some allies. So France, Britain, Canada, and even Australia. They also honor World War I, World War II veterans. And some of their days are a little off on or near November 11th, but that's not the point. The point is that they are honoring and recognizing that they were also involved and were an ally, and they wanna also recognize their veterans as well. So every year at 11 a.m. on November 11th, we, as you know, if you watch the news, you see that our president typically goes out to the Tomb of the Unknowns at Arlington National Cemetery, and they lay that wreath across to recognize those that we have. Well, again, I wanna make sure we're not getting confused with Memorial Day. It's recognizing that there are veterans out there. We're gonna talk about Memorial Day soon. 
All right, let's move on. So what about 1968? You know, that is when we changed it because again, it wasn't always as you may see. Veterans Day was changed to the fourth Monday in October. That was changed back when President Ford in 1975. I guess they wanted to identify a specific day and they wanted to ensure that it is something that we could always follow. So when they used to have it on the fourth Monday in October, your dates would always change, right? It's kind of like what Halloween, I guess. Well, no, Halloween is October 31st. What holiday do we have that changes based on the, that particular day? Oh, oh, actually, I can't even think of one. Martin Luther King, maybe? I don't know. Ah, I know one Easter. Easter does that. So, again, I think we had to kind of decide that instead of fluctuating the fourth Monday in October and we're having different days and we really couldn't track it, they kind of figured, you know what, let's just make it on one particular day. And President Ford did that in 1975 by putting it on November 11th. All right. So I want to also think that Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, was the very first Veterans Day parade. This happened in 1947. And guess what? As far as I know, I'm not sure about today. I haven't checked the news because we have this whole COVID thing going on. They have always had an annual tradition to celebrate Veterans Day in Birmingham. And they've done that since 1947. So hats off to Birmingham for taking the initiative and being able to represent our veterans out there today. I guess that includes myself as well, right? Yeah. Okay, moving on, you know, as a veteran, you know, every year I take some pride in changing my Facebook picture and I put on that, you know, back one of my best photos when I was a private first class and I'm in my, my Ranger black beret and I had my scroll on the, on my shoulder. I've had my expert marksmanship grenade or expert marksmanship pistol and my expert grenade. You know, I was looking pretty fly. And uh, I just dated myself by using that term. But anyway, I was looking cool. And I'm very proud of that photo, even though I hadn't had my ranger tab at the time. But still, it's okay. You could see where I was going because I had that look. And I post that and I, you know, and I do that proudly. Now, I don't necessarily take advantage of the free meals at, you know, the different restaurants because, you know, it can get a little crowded and I'll be honest, I get a little overwhelmed. But the important thing is that my friends and family will typically go online and they say, thank you for your service. Now, if you are a returning listener, you know that I've already posted a special conversation about thanking you or thanking a vet or thanking a military personnel for their service. I had a discussion about that. Now, it's not on the YouTube channel because I didn't record myself, but it is on the podcast. So I highly encourage you to check it out because it is a very frank conversation about the differences and the interaction and the response when you say thank you for your service. I think it will enlighten you and I think it'll provide some level of insight. So I encourage you, go to the podcast channel, iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, whichever one, and check it out. And I think you'll have a little slight 
perception uh, that will help you understand a little bit more about that phrase. Now, one thing we can agree on about Veterans Day is sacrifice. Every veteran has made a significant sacrifice. And I want to talk about that a little bit. You know, when you sign up, it could be a little exciting at first. But when you go through basic and you go through whatever training you're going through to help you in your particular skill set, you start feeling like, you know, you miss your mom, you miss your girlfriend or even maybe your ex-girlfriend, your wife, your kids, your neighbors, whatever kind of relationship you may have, you start realizing that you just isolated yourself. Now, depending on what era of the military, that could have been voluntary or that could be involuntary. And my hat's off to the Vietnam, World War II and World War I vets, Korean vets, etc. Because it wasn't voluntary. I mean, what, 90 something percent of those, those men and women actually were drafted. Whereas the newer generation, including myself, volunteered. And although I can only speak for myself, I volunteered because I wanted to support my little brother. And also I wanted to, you know, get some of that Montgomery GI Bill money because working as a college student was tough. But then it wears on you. Now, that's a sacrifice. And then when you go into the military, you're at the mercy of whatever the DOD, Department of Defense, is willing to, you know, say or tell you what to do. So you kind of lose all your rights. They tell you how to dress. They tell you where to go, where to be, what time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas if you were back home, you had a lot of freedoms to do what you want. Now, granted, if you're in the military, you say, you know what? I ain't getting up. I'm not going to formation. <laughs> well, you, you can do that. Of course, you're going to immediately suffer the consequences. So chances are you're going to do what you got to do. It's kind of like being in prison. Not to compare prison to the military, I get it. Although there are very few separations. I hear you get a little bit of money in prison, you get a little bit of money in the military. You gotta wear a uniform in the military, you gotta wear a uniform in prison. You're being told where to go, where to eat, etc., etc. Well, it sounds a little bit like military. But there's a pride that comes with the military. And I think that's what we carry every day that pride of sacrifice. In addition to the sacrifice topic, we also have the fact that we risk our lives and or injury. You know, some of us go into the combat realm. Some of us go into supportive realms. You know, I'm not gonna lie, if I was, you know, pre-law student, join the military, and I have an opportunity to be with JAG, you know, and I could be a lawyer? Absolutely, what are the chances that I'm gonna pick up a rifle? Probably, what, every six months or every year just to qualify? But I sure as hell am not gonna find myself on the front lines. If that chance or risk of that woman in a hijab wearing a bomb strapped to her, the chances of me losing my life to that woman 
terrorists are very slim. If I am in the rear processing paperwork that relates to somebody's AWOL process or divorce process or whatever it is that Jack lawyers do. I lost a cousin. He was in the army and he wasn't even in combat. He was on the side of the road where a military vehicle hit him and killed him. So it's not always about being in combat to lose your life. I had a battle buddy. I went to basic with him, AIT with him. We went to Ranger indoctrination program together. He went to one battalion. I went to the other battalion, but we stayed in touch. He was a cool dude. I really liked him. Come to find out they were fast roping out of a bird. Pilot misjudged. And basically, when he dropped the rope, Kim Light broke. They thought that it was okay. He slides down and they're on top of trees in Georgia. It's a night training. It was dark. Somehow the pilot misjudged the ground from the top of the trees. And he had a saw on his back, probably some other equipment, slid down top of the trees. And I guess he had another 20, 30 feet fall. Training. I was in a particular conflict. Attempted stabbing. My son, he's in, a, he's a firefighter. He basically is watching bodies burn, rescuing bodies out of vehicles. He still to this day can smell that body, the image of that body. He's now going through therapy. When you're in a firefight, you see tracers flying by your head. And although your adrenaline is through the roof, at some point, you never know if one of those rounds that you don't see will take you out. So the word is sacrifice. I think I can pretty much, I think I pretty much justified that. Now you get out of the military, it's not over. You still have images in your head. You still can't sleep. Your personality changes. You still have night terrors. You still have dreams, visions. It's not over people. So again, I go back to that podcast and I talk about when people say, thank you for your service. I'll give you a little bit of an insight. Try saying thank you for your sacrifice. Because I could tell you there's some Vietnam vets I know who are not happy about having to go and leave their home. So it wasn't like he had a choice. So think about that. In this country, we get very comfortable. And... We can jump on a plane and we can go to Colombia, the Philippines. I just got back from Mexico, pretty excited, trying to learn my Spanish again. And the thing is, 
when we go to these various countries, we go, we go with a level of pride because we coming from a country that is not only a democratic society, but the opportunities are plentiful. And then you go to these countries, you spend your money, you enjoy their beautiful white sand beaches. You get to see all the great, you know, buildings that they have. You enjoy their food. But the people there may or may not necessarily be in a situation of freedom. When I went to Thailand, I talked to a lot of the locals there. They didn't quite feel like they had it like we do. So I say that because when you have a military veteran in your life or friend or relative, keep that in mind because again, serving this country is bigger than just their sacrifices. Also, the fact that we are maintaining the levels of freedom. So before me, we had our World War vets, we had our Vietnam vets. Then after me, we had the Afghanistan vets. You know, the thing is what we're doing and the things we've done, it's all about making sure this US of A stands strong. I think I had, I had a, uh, a fellow Ranger buddy of mine ping me and he said, would you go back in if they asked you? I would, out of hesitation, I said, absolutely. I said, though, jokingly, I was like, I'd have to get back in shape, of course, you know, definitely not. I mean, I ever get back to Ranger body, but I would definitely consider going back in, strongly consider. And the only hesitation is basically what I'm kind of sacrificing and leaving behind. But absolutely, because the level of responsibility never leaves you. Although I doubt they would let me back in. My body's so broken. I don't think I could even probably walk more than a mile with my weapon. Whereas in the past, I could do 20 miles with a 24.2 weapon, a 60-pound rucksack with ammo in it. Yeah, not a problem back then, which is why I'm broken now. That's another story.